Chapter Twenty Seven of Woman as Decoration. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Woman as Decoration by Emily Burbank. Chapter Twenty Seven. Models. An historical interest attaches to fashion in women's costuming, which the practiced eye is quick to distinguish but not always that of the novice. Of course, the most casual and indifferent of mortals recognizes the fact when woman's hat follows the lines of the French officer's cap, or her coat reproduces the Cossacks, with even a feint at his cartridge belt. But such echoes of the war are too obvious to call for comment. It is one of the missions of art to make subtle the obvious, and a distinguished example of this, which will illustrate our theme, history mirrored by dress, was seen recently. One of the most famous among the great couturiers of Paris, who has opened a New York branch within two years, having just arrived with her spring and summer models, was showing them to an appreciative woman, a patron of many years. It is not an exaggeration to say that in all that procession of costumes, for cool days or hot, ballroom, salon, boudoir, or lawn, not one was banal, not one false in line, or its color scheme. Whether the style was classic Greek, medieval, or empire, these prevail. One felt the result, first of an artist's instinct, then a deep knowledge of the pictorial records of periods in dress, and to crown all, that conviction of the real artist, which gives both courage and discretion in molding textiles. The output of modern genius to the purest classic lines. For example, one reads in every current fashion sheet that beads are in vogue as garniture for dresses. So they are, but note how your French woman treats them. Whether they are of jet, steel, pearl, or crystal, she presses them into service as so much color, massing them so that one is conscious only of a shimmering, clinging, wrapping toga effect, a la grecque, beneath the skirt and bodice of which every line and curve of the woman's form is seen. Evidently, some, at least, are to be gleaming tanagras. Even a dark blue surge for the motor, shopping, or train had from hips to the bust parallel lines of very small, tube-like jet beads, sewn so close together that the effect was that of a shirt of mail. The use of notes of vivid color caught the eye. In one case, on a black satin afternoon gown, a tiny nosegay of forget-me-not blue, rose-pink and jessamine white, was made to decorate the one large patch-pocket on the shirt and a lapel of the sleeveless satin coat. Again, on a dinner-dress of black chantilly lace, over white chiffon, empire lines, a very small, deep, pinkish-red rose had a white rosebud bound close to it with a bit of blue ribbon. This was placed under the bertha of cobweb lace and demurely in the middle of the short-waisted bodice. Again, a robe, d'interieur of white satin charmeuse, had a sleeveless coat of blue, reaching to knees, and a dashing bias sash of pinkish red, twice round the waist, with its long ends reaching to skirt hem, and heavily weighted. Not at once, but only gradually, did it dawn upon us that most of the gowns bore, in some shade or form, the tricolour of France. End of chapter 27